0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to First Baptist Brockport First Baptist Church. My name is Walter Stinson, and my role today is as a lay person, your lay reader for today. Let's begin our service. I invite you all who are able to stand and greet one another around you.
1: that again good morning. good morning i love it um oh good there are my parents i have not seen you yet this morning good morning i'm sorry that was weird um they're leaving soon and so i was really looking forward to it and i've been searching for them um today there's a lot going on today so please make sure to help out if you can and or stay We are bringing up the Christmas decorations from the basement, so if you are able to even give us 10 minutes of your time to carry stuff up. We also have sermon talk back. Kids are practicing for their Christmas songs. Ben, I don't know if you smelled it, but there's an amazing meal happening today, so please stick around. And also, we're doing something that we haven't done in a few years. We've adopted some families for Christmas. There is a tree in the back corner of Shannon Hall that you can grab tags off. And Joni, we're having people wrap the gifts and put the tags back on it. Uh, All right, so for those of you who did not hear that, it will indicate it on the tags if you want it wrapped or not. In case somebody walks off with a tag and doesn't bring a gift, yes, attach the tags to the gift. This is fun. Anybody else have any other announcements? (laughs) Please make sure, download your bulletin and keep an eye on what's coming because this is a fun, awesome season of a lot of things. With that, if you're willing to stand for the call to worship.
0: Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Know that the Lord is God. It is God that made us, and we belong to the Lord. Enter the Lord's gate with thanksgiving and God's court with praise. For the Lord is good. God's steadfast love endures forever.
2: God's faithfulness to all generations. Before we start, I told um, Raya earlier that her spot as worship praise leader was not in any danger. <laughs> and since I left the music, In the copier, this is just all fresh. (laughs) Great. (laughs) And sing really loud. Good Good morning. Can only imagine what what it will be like when I walk.
1: you all you're so gracious hey it wasn't as bad as you think it went kids if you um, want to go have some fun head on up you are released we are moving into our prayer time if you guys have prayer requests please come up as a reminder please speak directly into the microphone so that everybody here can hear as well as those online. Um, Through the prayer chain, Betty Bemis has been moved to Monroe Community Hospital. So she is in rehab now, which is really exciting. Yes.
2: Good morning, everyone. I just wanna give a a huge uh, praise to God for uh, 29 years sobriety today. Woo!
3: Hi, everyone. I have a couple um, prayer requests. So, um, the first is for uh, Pete Hanko. I asked for prayers a few weeks ago for him. Uh, He will be coming home from uh, the nursing home on tomorrow. Uh, So actually the prayers are really for his wife as well. Um, He's very sick. It's very, his legs just don't work and she's tired. So um, please pray for the Hankos. Uh, Also there, so uh, we have a little baby that was born premature in our family, um, a month and a half ago, uh, he needs a heart transplant. He is currently in heart failure. Uh, so please, prayers for, um, for the family. His name is Baby Hudson. Um, he has had a really big struggle for his uh, short time on this earth, so thank you.
2: First off, I, I have a couple of joys. One, for the sunshine that's shining in my eye, I will be moving, but um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not begrudging the sunshine. But also, uh, last Sunday I got a call from my daughter-in-law, and she was in a panic because my son is, was flying. He was going to be gone all week, and she thought the baby might be coming down with hand, foot, and mouth. Grandma to the rescue, she flew me down, I spent the whole week, the baby is fine, it never materialized, but I just, I'm so grateful that I have the freedom to be able to do that, to to be able to be um, available
3: for whenever she needs me.
0: So we have a couple things in our life that are good news. So Raya had her checkup on Friday, and everything's going great. And now she's moved on. She can actually have pureed foods. So she had the greatest scrambled eggs in the history of the world on Friday for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, Nate had an eventful uh, drive home yesterday from school, but despite the serpentine belt and his car shredding, he made it home just three hours later than planned. Um, So just prayers that his car survives the trip, the return trip home next weekend.
2: In the month of June, I suffered a broken shoulder. And since that time, there has been no evidence of bone (coughs) healing until this week. And I thank the Lord there's the beginning of healing and the lessening of pain. Praise the Lord. Amen.
0: I have a dear friend, one of the six, that you've heard about before. She lives in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Her husband fell a couple of weeks ago, and he now has a brain bleed, and he's in the hospital. Also, her son-in-law is in the same hospital He had uh, surgery on Friday, so Patty and her daughter, Melanie, uh, as well as Bill and Mark, need your prayers and mine. Thank you.
1: Wait, let me make sure I have the names. Patty, Melanie, Bill, and Mark? Yes.
3: I'd like prayers for um, Pam and David Fuller on the death of their mom. Rand Fuller, who was the church secretary here in this church for many, many, many years.
0: I'd like prayers for the family of Jim Sutton who passed away yesterday morning.
2: to be very grateful for, um, happy to be here with uh, my wife of three plus months, four plus months, three plus months, uh, and so blessed that God has given us the ability to have a house, and for all of her family
4: and my family for moving us all in, and uh, for the continuing
2: blessings of um, God's love, and he's clearly watching us, and he's clearly watching our life. so appreciate it.
1: I have to share a joy that a few of us from our congregation sing in a chorale group called the Robert Dean Chorale. So I'm putting a plug in for the concert coming up here on December 2nd right here at our church and just wanted to let everybody know because we have trouble getting the advertising out for some reason. So I'll come, enjoy some great music. Thanks.
0: I'd like prayers tomorrow the doctors and nurses as I went for a milogram to see what's wrong with my back
3: (laughs) so I just I want to thank everybody
1: who's been praying for me over this last month because you know Dan and I have been going through the ringer with illness after illness
3: Um, I've recently been diagnosed with emphysema you know I, it's what it is but next week if y'all could be praying for me I believe it's on the 28th um, I go for a lung function test to find out what stage I'm in which is frightening for me but more
1: so now that I just found out my sister's in the hospital and she's been in there for a week she's my oldest sister
3: she went in there not being able to breathe very well and she hasn't come out yet so it's just a little a lot going on at home, so just keep me in your prayers next week and my sister too. Okay, Vicki. Vicki. Yeah. Thank okay.
1: you. Thanks, guys. Any other prayer requests? All right. Please join me in prayer. Lord God. We give you thanks for all your gifts to us, for daily food, for health, for each breath we take, for freedom to choose and for the gifts of your word, your power, and your love. Our hearts are truly overwhelmed. Oh God, when we consider how you have entrusted so much to us, may we be worthy of that trust. May we be a people who are unafraid to live as fully and as richly as you want us to live. As we walk through the week of Thanksgiving, may we continue to give you thanks each step of the way. We pray travel mercies over those who are heading to family to celebrate. We pray for grace and love to flow through us. As we sit around tables together with people who are easy to love and with some that are harder to love i pray for those who may be feeling lonely that you would surround them with your presence with your love and your peace that your holy spirit is strongly felt this week help us oh god as followers of jesus to multiply all that you have given us, to risk loving those whom others think worthy only of hate, to take chances by doing good to those who have not done good to us. Help us be faith-filled and desire to increase your glory and your goodness in this world. Make us people who share in both word and indeed that which you have given to us. Today, we are grateful for Ellen's sobriety, for the sunshine, for the Robert Dean corral, for Lori's ability to help her kids, for Thomas and Cassie's new home, for Raya's continued healing journey, for Nate's drive here, and for Sally's new bone growth we thank you for Betty Bemis' continued healing. We pray for the church gathered today, both here and around the world, that it may encourage all of its members to discover, develop, and use all their gifts, those of nature and those of grace. Our hearts sometimes are burdened and heavy, and Lord, today we pray for those who are poor in body or in spirit. For those who are oppressed or heavy laden for those sick or in despair for those needing an extra dose of your presence today we lift up pete and his wife baby hudson and his family pam and david fuller the family of jim sutton dick avery and his surgery, we lift up his doctors to you. Lift up Patty, Melanie, Bill, Mark, Peggy, and Vicky. And Lord, for those who have not been named, we lift them up in our hearts during this time of silence. minister by your spirit and by us to all those for whom we have prayed and help us walk faithfully in the path of our lord jesus christ who taught us to pray our father who art in heaven
0: Now is the time in our service when we respond to God's grace with the giving of our tithes and offerings. In just a moment, the ushers will pass by with the plates. If you brought a physical offering with you today, please drop it in there or the joy box is out back. And if you prefer to give online, you can do so on our website. Let's pray now to bless the offering. All things have their origin with you, Lord. And from these riches we freely give that your church might grow in this place and throughout the world. For we come and we give and we serve always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. lesson today is from James chapter 5 verses 13 through 20 it's in the pew Bibles on page uh, 983 or in the screen in front of you if any among you are suffering they should pray are any cheerful they should sing songs of praise are among you sick they should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayers of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayers of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human like us and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heavens opened and gave rain and the earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death. And we'll cover a multitude of sins. The word of God for the people of God.
4: God. And thank you, Walter, for that reading. My pleasure. So good morning again, everybody. Good morning. Uh, I'm Pastor Dan. It is a joy to be with you today. Um, we have been studying the book of James together for about 11 weeks now here in worship, almost three months, and this is it. Today we are finally finishing the book of James. Woohoo! Um, you're definitely going to want to come to church next Sunday uh, when we start our next series. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but let's end this one on a high note first, shall we? Um, I have to say again, I've really enjoyed working through James together with all of you. Uh, I still maintain this is the most difficult book I've ever had to preach through. Uh, Worse than Leviticus, if you can believe it. But along the way, we've covered so much ground. Uh, We've talked about justice, income inequality, poverty. We've covered joy and sin, partiality and grace, non-judgment, so much practical wisdom packed into this book. But I think it's appropriate that the closing words of James center us on prayer. Prayer is front and center in the final verses of this book. Uh, By my count, James uses some form of the word prayer or prayed seven times in this section. You can count along if you want. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them. The prayer of faith will save the sick. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain. Then he prayed again. Pray, pray, prayer, pray, prayer, prayed, prayed. (laughs) That's a lot of prayer, right? In In a pretty short amount of space. Now this is important for us to kind of center on for a moment because we do not have a great understanding of prayer in the modern world, even in the church. A question I hear a lot on this front that sort of uh, exemplifies our struggle, our modern struggle with prayer, is the question, does prayer work? Does prayer work? And what we usually mean by that is, does prayer make any difference? If I pray for something, am I going to get it? If enough of us pray together, if people are praying with me and for me, will God deliver? We often dismiss this as a a sort of vending machine view of prayer. I've used that language here myself. But this is real-life stuff that we're talking about. Someone gets sick. A loved one is hurting, and we want to know, will my prayer actually help them? Will it make any difference? Sometimes a person gets sick, uh, and we pray, and they get better. And then you hear a lot of people talk about the power of prayer, right? Our prayers worked. Of course, then other times, people get sick, we pray, and they don't get better. And that's when you're stuck with kind of the other side of that approach. I guess our prayers didn't work. As modern people, we measure the effectiveness of prayer based on outcomes, results. Uh, I once heard someone say that when we pray, there's only three answers God can give. Three possible answers to prayer. Yes, no, and wait. I remember, I thought that was really deep the first time I heard it, um, until I realized that those are the only three answers you can ever get when you want something. (laughs) Right? Like... (laughs) Like either whether we pray or not, if you want something, you either get it, don't get it, or or have to wait for it. Uh, it kind of takes God out of the equation, right? It, it makes prayer feel uh, kind of pointless. We have a very transactional view of prayer in our culture, prayer as almost uh, an exchange of goods and services. It's a very capitalist view of prayer, actually, and uh, if there's one thing we've learned about James in this study, he is no capitalist. Another modern perspective on prayer, though, is that it changes us. When we pray, it might not change our circumstances, but it will change our hearts, and, like, I guess I kind of like that. Like, it's true But it feels like kind of a cop-out, doesn't it? Uh, Last Sunday at youth group, we read this article by an author I really respect, where he argued that exact point. Prayer doesn't always change our circumstances, but it changes our hearts. And one of the youth group kids called BS on that right away. It was amazing. Um, This middle school student was like, well, hold on a second. Doesn't that just reduce prayer to the placebo effect? Like it won't actually change anything, but it'll make you feel better. 13 year olds, you guys, I love it. It's amazing. But this is what we're stuck with if we stick with our modern understanding of prayer prayer as an exchange, prayer as something that is passive, where we have zero power. All we get to do is ask. And God either delivers or doesn't. We get what we want or we don't or we're changed. It's not a very compelling view of prayer, if you ask me. I think we need to reclaim a more ancient understanding of prayer. Prayer the way James and his contemporaries would have understood it. Um, a view of prayer that predates capitalism. An, an understanding of prayer from back before we became so cynical and jaded. Before the Enlightenment robbed us of our sense of wonder and mystery, the ancient world understood prayer very differently than we do today. Um, If we entertain what they believed, it's going to challenge us a little bit. It's going to offend some of our uh, assumptions, shake up our worldview, because it's really weird. But it just might empower us to live in a radically different way. And that's because the ancients understood prayer, first and foremost as a tactic in spiritual warfare. This is where you can uh, bring in the Twilight Zone music if you want, right? No, no. Uh, prayer as a tactic in spiritual warfare. Seriously, if you were a Jewish Christian in the first century, someone like James, you prayed as a tactic in spiritual warfare. When James writes, Are any of you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil. It's not voodoo, Right? This isn't goop. James is not, no, did anyone get the goop reference, the website? Wow, like three, okay. Um, but James, James isn't prescribing some like alternative medicine here. Uh, follow these steps in this exact way and the person will be healed. No, James is inviting the community of faith to engage in a spiritual battle. See, the ancients had a lot more humility than us. They acknowledge there are forces in our world that we do not understand, uh, systems and power structures that are way bigger than us. They prayed as a means of uniting with God in a struggle against those powers. Because life is a struggle. It doesn't matter if you're someone who believes there's like an angel and demon behind every corner, or if you don't buy any of that stuff, life is a struggle. Life is hard This is why we pray. When we pray, we are joining God in that struggle. If you want an example of this approach to prayer, we can look at the book of Revelation, which the Twilight Zone music, keep it handy. Uh, We can look at the book of Revelation. At the very end of our Bibles, there is this strange little book called Revelation that almost no one understands. It's mostly poetry. Uh, but that poetry reads like it was written by someone on a bad acid trip, you know, like it's, it's, it's pretty trippy. Um, there's monsters, there's rivers of blood, we see a lion that turns into a lamb, a dragon tries to eat a baby. Um, it, if you can remember the 60s, right, I, I imagine it's not much different. Revelation is also an incredibly violent book. This is one of the reasons I struggle with Revelation. It was written at a time when a lot of Christians were being persecuted and killed for their faith, and the book of Revelation depicts that violence through nightmarish imagery. But there's this fascinating rhythm that emerges in the book of Revelation. Whenever we see violence, the kingdoms of the world engage in war, the heavenly forces, the spiritual forces do battle, the violence escalates and escalates, it builds, until suddenly it cuts to God's people who are praying. All of a sudden, in the midst of all this building, violence, and chaos, you hear the prayers of the martyrs going up to heaven. And that's the moment when God emerges victorious. This pattern repeats over and over again in Revelation violence, chaos, destruction, death, prayer, God wins. That's the book of Revelation over and over and over. It's almost like the Bible depicts prayer almost as like a, a heavenly steroid, if that makes any sense, and I'm totally going with this metaphor. I watched, I watched a YouTube video this last week uh, where a natural bodybuilder, uh, this guy who's not on steroids, worked out with another bodybuilder who's on steroids, all right? These two dudes did the exact same workout. Both dudes incredibly jacked, incredibly strong, um, but the enhanced bodybuilder, the one who's on steroids, has this unnatural advantage as they go through the workout. Um, When the other guy is out of breath, exhausted, ready to puke, the dude on steroids has more energy, more strength, more endurance, because he's roided up. And I realize this is probably the worst possible metaphor, metaphor I could use for prayer, but the Bible depicts prayer as a divine steroid. God hears the prayer of God's people, and God gets amped up. It's, it's almost like uh, in a football game, which, warning, sportsman analogy, uh, I'm going to speak about something about which I do not know. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I have heard that sometimes in a football game, when the home team is down by a couple points, and that clock is running out, the athletes are tired And deflated, all their energy is gone. But then all of a sudden, the crowd comes to life. Right? They start cheering and chanting, they get the wave going. And then all of a sudden, the team gets this surge of energy. The the quarterback throws the game to the the ball to the the catcher, and and he scores. They, They score a touchdown and they win, right? Sports. That victory though. That victory is a combined effort, right? The crowd and the players work together to secure the win. That's how the Bible talks about prayer. Prayer is our crowd noise. Worship is our version of the wave. God is depicted as being on the field, duking it out with all the powers of evil, chaos, violence, sin, death, injustice, cancer, and our prayers help secure the win. I told you this was going to be weird, right? Um, fair warning that this would challenge some of our assumptions. This is not how we typically think about prayer. Certainly not how we normally talk about God, but these are all profoundly biblical examples, you guys. When we pray, we are joining a cosmic struggle, and our prayers are vital to God's victory. This is why we worship. This is why we share meals together and sing together. This is why we ground ourselves in these ancient stories from the Bible. Stories about real people in the struggle doing life together with God. That's our story. Prayer is not some passive exchange of goods and services. We are not at the mercies of a distant God who, like, might show up or might not. That is not how the Bible talks about prayer. We pray because we are in the struggle together with God. I know this is strange, so I want to give you guys some real-life examples of what this can look like, some more recent stuff. um, To help ground this a little bit, make it more accessible for us, and I want to uh, talk about two of my heroes in the faith, Martin Luther King Jr. and Dietrich Bonhoeffer. We'll start with Reverend Dr. King. You guys know King, right? Familiar with this guy. Um, Civil rights icon, Baptist pastor. Our country has really immortalized King, which is amazing. Um, My kids learn about Dr. King in school. But one of the things we tend to overlook when we talk about King is the spiritual side of his movement. That almost never gets highlighted. This dude was a preacher, first and foremost, and not a lot of us know this, but Dr. King had a rule of life, um, a set of spiritual practices that he lived by, almost like you'd find it like a monastery, right? Um, these practices that he encouraged everyone he worked with to practice daily. You did not rise up the ranks of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference if you didn't live by this rule of life. Let's put the rule of life up there on the slides, This was Dr. King's Rule of Life. Meditate daily on the teachings and life of Jesus. Remember always that the nonviolent movement for civil rights seeks justice and reconciliation, not victory. Walk and talk in the manner of love, for God is love. Pray daily to be used by God in order that all might be free. Observe with both friend and foe the ordinary rules of courtesy. Seek to perform regular service for others and the world. Refrain from violence of fist, tongue, or heart. And strive to be in good spiritual and bodily health. That was Dr. King's rule of life. These were the principles he lived by, the practices that guided the civil rights movement of the 60s. It was a spiritual movement. Prayer was a vital part of the work. We see pictures and newsreels from the sit ins and the marches, peaceful protesters being beaten with uh, billy clubs and uh, having dogs sicked on them. I see that stuff and it's like, how did they do it? How did they stay nonviolent? How did they maintain such grace and composure in the face of such terrible violence? I'll tell you how they did it they were praying daily. They were meditating on the life and teachings of Jesus daily. There's a reason most of those marches started at a church. They believed it was a spiritual struggle. They would get their worship on, and then they went out to do battle. That's Dr. King. The other example I mentioned is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Not quite as famous as King, right? Right? Bonhoeffer was a pastor and a theologian in Germany during World War II. Um, He actually fled Germany uh, when the war first started, but then he went back to run an underground sanctuary training pastors in resisting the Nazis, which, like, life goals. Um, Bonhoeffer died. He was executed in a German concentration camp right before the end of the war. And uh, the people who knew him, the people who were imprisoned with him, Told stories of how he led them in worship every Sunday right up until the end in the camp. They didn't have access to Bibles or hymnals or communion elements, but every week Bonhoeffer would preach, um, reciting Scripture as best as he could from memory. Um, They would all sing together the old hymns that they knew by heart. Bonhoeffer would pray over an imaginary communion table, and then he would lift up An imaginary piece of bread and break it, and then they would all pass it around and pretend to eat it. To anyone watching, it looked insane, but it was vital to the spiritual struggle they were engaged in. I look at all the terrible stuff that's happening in the world war in Ukraine airstrikes in Palestine, terror attacks in Israel. I look at this stuff and I get really frustrated because it feels like there's nothing I can do. I'm a modern 21st century person. I'm used to being able to do stuff, right? I vote. I write my congresspeople. I can order stuff off Amazon and have it in like two days, but there is nothing I can do to stop this. But I can pray I can come here and I can worship, I can unite my voice with millions of people around the world who are praying, who are worshiping, who are engaged in that spiritual struggle. I can sing praises to God knowing that God is working on that battlefield, knowing that God is under the rubble. I can't do a thing on my own to cure a friend with cancer or to heal someone dealing with an ailment, but I can pray. I can unite my prayer with theirs. We can join God in a fight against that disease. Those prayers inspire hope. They fuel action. They move mountains. Prayers like that can overcome death itself. In recent years, um, I've spent a lot of time visiting monasteries, which I promise this is going to link back. Um, But these, you know, communities of monks and nuns who have dedicated their lives to prayer, service, and worship. Uh, The Abbey of the Genesee is one nearby. It's out in Pifford, New York. They make the monk bread that you see in the stores. Um, In most of these monasteries, these monks and nuns gather for prayer seven times a day. It's wild. You can actually go to the monastery. They'll let you sit in there and pray with the monks. We had a group of people from our church go out to the Abbey of the Genesee uh, just a few weeks ago and pray with the monks. They pray seven times a day, and they do it for a very specific reason. There's like a, a reasoning here. If you have communities all over the world that are praying seven times a day, every day, in different time zones, at different times, then there is not a single moment when we don't have a plethora of prayers going up into heaven. There's not a single moment when our voices aren't joining God in that struggle. That's why they do it. That's why they pray. We've talked about how practical the book of James is, and I want to close this sermon and this book with some practical suggestions, some ways that we can join in this struggle and start to rewire our approach to prayer, because we're not all going to become monks, right? The celibacy requirement is too much. Uh, We don't have to pray seven times a day, but we can still lift our voices and do our part, and there are a number of ways we can approach this both as a community and individually. Uh, Let's start with the communal level, the group level. Next slide. Please, there we go. On the communal level, the most basic practice is to come to church, Uh, engage in worship, pray with us, sing with us, stick around after worship and eat with us after the service. This is why I get sad when folks, like, ditch out on church. Or when I hear, like, oh, I won't be at church Sunday, but don't worry, I'll catch the live stream sometime this week, like, that's fine, I'm glad that's there, but we miss something when you're not here. Come to church. Unite your voice with ours. Join us in this struggle. You can become part of a small group, Uh, meet together regularly with other Christians, to pray, and to learn together. Uh, We've got an awesome small group starting next week for Advent. Well, not this coming week, the week after. Uh, It's only four weeks. There are two different groups on different days and times. It's gonna be a lot of fun. You can sign up for that at the Connection Center. Um, When those groups aren't going on, we have all sorts of small groups happening. Uh, throughout the week, there's the midweek prayer group on Wednesdays. Pastor Elisha has a small group that meets Thursday nights. Martha has a Zoom group. Um, we've got a group of folks who get together once a month to watch a movie together. So many opportunities to connect and to come together for prayer. You can pray as a family um, before meals, before bed, whenever you're making big decisions. If you have kids at home, get an Advent calendar. Um, Or pick up a little, um, like, Advent wreath and put it on your your dining room table and light that throughout Advent and say a prayer with your kids. It's awesome. Um, Pray with your spouse or your partner or your friends. Uh, If they think it's weird, just send them a recording of this sermon. It'll clear it right up for them. Uh, So many ways we can do this on the group level. But there's also stuff we can do as individuals on the personal level. Uh, One simple practice is to set a timer on your phone for three times a day, morning, afternoon, and evening. And when that timer goes off, stop whatever you're doing for 30 seconds and say the Lord's prayer. It's, uh, It's quick, it's easy, it's straightforward, but it is a simple way to join your voice with all the saints. And all the monks, the same idea. Um, you can spend 15 minutes a day in silent prayer, listening prayer. Um, where you, uh, can we go ahead a couple slides? Yeah, we're a couple into individual yet. One more. There we go, perfect. Um, set a timer for 15 minutes and do some listening prayer. Just sit quietly with God. Uh, maybe start by reading a short passage from the Gospels. Then invite God into that space and let your mind go where it will. Just sit in the quiet. Invite God in. Trust the Holy Spirit to lead your imagination wherever God wants it to go for 15 minutes. Another thing you can do is make a copy of Dr. King's Rule of Life. We'll put that back on the screen in a couple minutes as we end the sermon, um, so you can take a picture of that if you want. But take that Rule of Life, write it down, print it out, uh, put it in your bedroom or your office. Keep it with you and refer to it throughout the day. Let that guide you in your own practice of prayer. I am going to say, um, don't try all of these at once, <laughs> okay? Um, it's a little bit too much to take on. Um, but maybe pick two, like a corporate practice and a communal one, or a corporate and individual, to try to do through the month of Advent for the next uh, month and a half. See if it makes any difference. It might not change your circumstances. Doing this stuff might not even change you all that much. But if you try at least one or two of these practices regularly for the next six weeks, I guarantee it is going to change the way you approach prayer. Let's put Dr. King's rule of life back up on the slides and we can keep it there um, through the silent reflection time after the sermon. If you want to take a picture of it, it is there for you. Let's pray. God, your word tells us that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Help us to embody that promise, Lord. Help us to take it as a challenge and to rise up to that challenge. Deepen our understanding of prayer. Deepen our understanding of you. Give us a deeper awareness of your presence in our lives and our connection to you, Lord. We know that you are with us in the struggle, God. And we lift our voices to join you, to praise you, to cheer you on. Thank you for loving us. It's in Christ's name we pray. I'd like to invite all who are able to please stand and join us for our sending hymn. Number 376, We Gather Together. reminder, we have a whole lot going on uh, after the service today. Um, If anyone is able, um, you can head right down these steps. I think Joni is going to be out there um, and bring up, uh, help us bring up the Christmas decorations. That'd be fantastic. We've got um, Teen Closet down in the basement. Kids are going to be doing their music practice in here, and we'll be meeting for Sermon Talk Back, let's say at quarter after 11 um, in the parlor, all right? But before you go, please receive this benediction. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you, wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Amen.